Hello everyone, this is Black Facts with Marvin Fan, where I bring you the truth in Black culture, Black wisdom, and Black justice. Hello everyone. Now, this is a subject that I just had to delve into. I had to just, you know, at first I kicked the tires on it, so to speak. But I just can't let this go. Now, this has to do with um, the great Herschel Walker, um, all-time college player, uh, good pro. And he said to me some disparaging or made some disparaging comments towards his own people, so to speak, African-Americans or black Americans or however you want to um, address us. And he said that, that uh, black Americans shouldn't get reparations. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to do some extensive reading here. I'm getting it straight from that point. So there's no, um, there's no misquoting or anything like that. It says legendary former pro football running back Herschel Walker led um, conservative resistance, led a conservative resistance to slavery reparations during a congressional hearing. Walker, who played in the old USFL and NFL over 15 years, said reparations might require black Americans like himself to use genetics company 23andMe to calculate their pay by percentage of ancestry. And he argued African-Americans also were involved in the slave trade, which the U.S. abolished in 1865. Okay, true, true. To some degree. Walker, who campaigned for former President Donald Trump last year, said that he opposes reparations for practical and moral reasons. And we'll get more into that moral reasons. He said, we use black power to create white guilt. He said, his approach is biblical. So is mine. But we... we, we where um, there's a parting of at the at the, at the there's a parting of ways, so to speak, when it comes to mine and his. He said, "How can I ask my heavenly Father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother?" The former Dallas Cowboys star told a House Judiciary Committee subcommittee. And at that this point, I'm going to. Let him say it in his own words. You can hear it. My approach is biblical. How can I ask my heavenly father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? I never want to put anyone religion down, but my religion teaches togetherness. Preparation teaches separation. Slavery ended over 130 years ago. How can a father be asked his son? spent prison time for a crime he committed. In the case we speak of, research, we're researching farther back in history, a history of many are not told or spoken about in school. America is the greatest country in the world for me. 
it built a pot of a lot of great races, a lot of great minds that had come together with different ideas to make America the greatest country in the earth, on earth. Now, men have died trying to get into America. No one is dying trying to get out. Okay, now that was Herschel Walker. Now, <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, now he said that he said that it's um he said America is the greatest country in the world for me a melting pot of a lot of great races. True. A lot of great minds that have come together with different ideas to make Americans the greatest country on earth. Many have died trying to get into America. No one is trying, no one is dying trying to get out. Okay, true. But why is it that if an individual, a person, has a disagreement with what's going on, it's like they're taken to the woodshed in their disagreement? I, for one, now I've been all over the world. I've been in the, I've been in the military, the navy, and I've seen all these places. But there is no place on this earth I'd rather live and be than the United States of America. It is the greatest country, but it doesn't mean that it it doesn't mean that it doesn't have its flaws. It has its flaws, just like anything else. It has its flaws. So a lot of people, and you listen to those little nuances when they talk, those that want to go against this situation that we're talking about, they'll say, America is great, America is great, America is great. Yeah, but it has its flaws. And to really be great, to even be better, we need to work on these flaws. And that's something that a lot of people want to skip around. They want to act like, oh, because America is great, you feel this way that you can't say anything bad about it. Well, I was in the military. I served my country. And so you mean to say I can't say anything about it? I don't have that right? I don't have that privilege. No, I, I, I disagree. Because there's still a lot wrong with this country. Like they were saying America was great during the slave era. I'm, I'm sure they thought America was great. They, they were saying it during World War, after World War II, even though the GI Bill was put out to help all those coming back home, to help them gain footing, coming back home to gain housing, to, uh, to be able to buy a house, to be, to, to be able to buy a car and so forth and raise their families. But who did it help most? The white GI. That's who it helped most. Because the black GI was excluded from the 
the meteor points of the GI Bill. Yes, that's true. Look it up. They were excluded. So don't tell me that I can't criticize the country that I love because basically, basically that's what um, all these people when they say America is great and they say it to the, they shout it to the, to the mountaintops all the time. Just like when it came to um, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Why was that knee taken? It was taken because of police brutality toward black people. But yet he was in the wrong and anybody else who did that was in the wrong. Anyway, let me, let me proceed on with this. I'll proceed on. <clears throat> he said, reparations, where does the money come from? Does it come from all the other races except the black taxpayers? And who is black? What percentage of, of black must you be to receive reparations? Do you go to 23andMe or a DNA test to determine the percentage of blackness? Some American ancestors just came to this country 80 years ago. Their ancestors wasn't even here during slavery. Some black immigrants weren't here during slavery, nor their ancestors. Some states didn't even have slavery, said Herschel Walker. But the thing is, here's something he needed to look up, that all these other races, immigrants, however you want to put them, they received some form of reparation. Yes, they did. The latest ones were the Japanese. After World War II, after we bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I hope I said that right. After we did that bombing, they were paid reparations. I think I believe it was about twenty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Now you think twenty thousand dollars back in um, around that time—that was a pretty good chunk of money. But see, he doesn't mention that. Mister Walker doesn't mention that, or I don't even know if he knows about that. <clears throat> but all these other immigrants, races, whatever—like I said, however you want to say it. They were compensated in some way. We, as black people, were supposed to have been compensated. The situation with Lincoln. After the Civil War, Lincoln was going to put in place, what we all know about the 40 acres and a mule, but also he was going to put it in writing or matter of fact, he did put it in writing for blacks to be able to vote. And he being a fair man wanted the nation to be unified. Hmm. Doesn't that sound familiar? There was disunity. Of course there was. He wanted the nation to be unified. So he appointed 
people named Andrew Johnson as, as his vice president. Johnson, to me, was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Now, when it came time for, like I said, he had he had signed the paperwork for black people to be able to vote. And he did not live long after that because he was assassinated. We all know that. But as soon as he's assassinated, of course, Johnson is put in place as president, okay? But then immediately, Johnson overturns all that Lincoln did. He overturns it. And looking at that, it, 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 I'm, I'm really thinking that Johnson had a, had a hand in Lincoln's assassination. I really think that. Read up on that. But anyway, let me get let me get back to this because there's there's a lot to go through here. <clears throat> uh, Representative Steve Cohen, Democrat, quoted Attorney Charles Ogletree, who said the final result of the commission may not be the 21st century equivalent of 40 acres and a mule. The 21st century equivalent, he said, was an SUV and a condo. Representative John Nadler, Democrat, said that. It's possible reparations would not be financial payments. Walker, 58, said that he spoke to his mother to get her opinion before the hearing. He said, I asked my mom, who was in her mid-80s, her thoughts on reparations. Her words were, I do not believe in reparations. Who is the money going to go to? Has anyone thought about paying the families who lost someone in the Civil War, who fought for their freedom, Walker said. The football star said that his mother told him that reparations are akin to the proverb about giving someone a fish rather than teaching them how to fish for themselves. See, this is this is going way, <laughs> way out of proportion here. Reparation is only feeding you for a day. It is removing a sign for whites only and replacing it with the sign, no education here, he said. Walker also questioned who was at who was at fault for slavery? Who is the guilty party? Should we start at the beginning where African-Americans sold your African-American ancestors into slavery? Well, yeah, that's true. But let me delve deeper into that also, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> since the start of time, so to speak, people were sold into slavery no matter who they were. That was an ongoing thing. Reading the Bible, you saw, saw that was the situation. If you owe somebody money, you became indebted to them. Hence the term indentured servant. If you owe them money, you became their slave until you paid it off. As a matter of fact, with America, Americans had white slaves because they were going by the old way of slavery until somebody got the bright idea of, oh, hmm, we see these blacks over here. They can eat. They can be easily identified as being a slave. 
the tables got turned. So yeah, he's right to a degree, but to another degree, all other countries were doing the same thing. All other countries are doing the same thing. <clears throat> Walker concluded, I feel it continues to let us know we are still African-American rather than just American. Reparation or atonement is outside the teaching of Jesus Christ. Okay, we, I'm really delving to that one. Jackson Lee said that Black Lives Matter protests last year featured signs in support of H.R. 40 and that now is the right time to set up the commission with broad Democratic support. Her bill has a decent chance of passing. The Congresswoman sniped at Republicans for picking two black witnesses, Walker and conservative pundit Larry Elder, to speak against her bill. Like our last hearing, the minority has selected two African-American witnesses to speak against H.R. 40. That is their privilege. But we know that justice, facts, and that life that was led and continues to be led by African-Americans is on our side, she said. Elder told the hearing that blacks should be regarded as a race of overcomers and that historical poverty data indicates strides toward equality. Again, in a, in, in, in a great and perfect world, yeah, we, we can talk about equal, things will be equal, but things are still not equal. Things are still not equal. And I used to think along those lines the way Herschel was thinking. Then I had to have a reality check. I had to have a reality check. That reality check came during Trump's administration. That was the wake-up call for me. Because here's the thing. I was to the belief that that um, yeah, all, 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 all is good. Everything's equal. But see, that's how white churches are teaching blacks. They're being basically brainwashed in that in that sense. Now, now again, if it wasn't about racism, then fine. It'll be, it'd be it, 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 the situation would be okay. But we still have racism. We still have racism. And I can I can get into that subject in, a, in another situation. Okay, in, in another teaching when it comes to white churches. But it's leading a lot of blacks astray because again, we we want to we want to treat others equally. We want to be treated equally, okay? But that's not reality. That is not reality. We still have to fix this situation about slavery. And then we can move on to other things. But we keep sweeping this thing about um, 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 racism under the rug. Okay. Uh, The reality is that black American history is not one of hapless, hopeless, not one of a hapless, hopeless race oppressed by 
a more powerful white race. Instead of military, excuse me, a history of millions of middle and wealthy class black Americans throughout the early 20th century achieving the American dream. And this is said by um, Republican Burgess Owens, who is also black. See, they, they pull these type of blacks out of the woodwork, so to speak. <laughs> and it's like they turn a blind eye to what's going on. And it's just a doggone shame. But see, they use them, they prop them up and say, see, there's no racism going on. You, you hear from other blacks. There's no racism. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So Herschel Walker, he used the Bible as his um, jumping off point to say what's going to say that reparations is bad. Now he chose Ezekiel chapter eighteen verse twenty to um, to highlight this. <clears throat> But I'm going to put this in the proper context. And I'm going to do some more reading here. And this is from an article entitled White Christians Don't Quote Ezekiel to Duck Responsibility for Past and Present Racism. And that includes you too, um, Herschel Walker. And, um, and this is from, like I said, this particular article. It doesn't say who who wrote this article. It says, I saw someone asking why white Christians were repenting of their sins their, their ancestors ancestors committed against people of color. And I want to write about this. He said, I'm, he or she said, I'm mainly going to talk about how I understand the Old Testament because the Old Testament was being quoted and that's something I'm familiar with as a Christian. But just because I'm taking this angle doesn't mean it's the most relevant or comprehensive angle. I just want to uh, demonstrate how this particular argument doesn't stack up. In short, the argument was this. If we're all responsible for what we do ourselves, not what other people do, then white people shouldn't have to apologize for the racism of the white people. Thus, the example that they use in Ezekiel 18 yeah, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, excuse me. However, I think this falls, fails to appreciate the context of Ezekiel and the attitudes the book was responding to. So let's dive in, the article says. It says, this gets political, and I and I mentioned an Old Testament passage also. I don't have to uh, have the space here to get into why bad things happen and people suffer in Ezekiel clearly had a concept of this divine retribution. And I'm going to roll with that world view for now because it was also implicit in a tweet that was sent out. So what does Ezekiel 18 and 19, 19 through 20 have to say? It says, verse 19, yet do you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's sins? When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has kept all my statutes 
and has done them, he shall certainly live. Verse 20, the person who sins is the one that will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the sin of the father, nor will the father bear the punishment for the sin of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be on himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be on himself. <clears throat> and um, it says the people Ezekiel was speaking to was clearly cl clearly had an issue with this. In their view, a righteous son should bear the guilt of the, his wicked father, and the people called God unjust for saying otherwise. But why were they saying this? Actually, let's step back further. Who Ezekiel was speaking to? Ezekiel's prophetic ministry is uh, Ezekiel was a prophet uh, from the southern kingdom of Judah, and we know about him from events during the reigns of the last two kings of Judah. It says after um, Zedekiah ruled for eleven years in Jerusalem, the book of Ezekiel was written during his reign. Not that Ezekiel ever refers to him himself as refers to him as king. What's more, a large chunk of what Ezekiel writes, including chapter 18, was directed towards those still living in Judah and Jerusalem. In other words, Ezekiel, someone, in other words, Ezekiel, someone who just been exiled, was writing to people who hadn't been exiled. Or to put it in more terms of their world worldview, someone who had just been subject to God's judgment was writing to other people who hadn't yet been um, subject to, to God's judgment. And everyone who um, who just been exiled was listening in. Ezekiel's message was this. Just because a person had a righteous father, those in Jerusalem probably saw themselves in this category. That doesn't mean they'll escape judgment. And just because a person had an unrighteous father, those already in exile probably sold themselves in this category. That doesn't mean they won't prosper. In other words, Ezekiel's message was twofold, both a challenge and a comfort. It urged people not to be complacent about doing the right thing. And that message was mainly for the people in Judah. But it also said that the individuals, whether exiled or about to be exiled, had at least some ability to steer their own fate. So, so why was the exile happening at all? Well, and the writer goes on to say, I suppose I do have to talk about why bad things happen. Obviously, there are historical and political reasons why Babylon wanted to throw their weight around. But so far as the authors of the Bible were concerned, the exile was a judgment from God for the cause of idolatry and oppression of the poor. According to Ezekiel, Judah did these things worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And, um, and that's recorded as being destroyed in an act of divine judgment. Now, those of you more familiar with Genesis 19 might be thinking that sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was, well, sodomy. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't say it. It says their sin was the oppression of the poor. Ah. Take, for example, Ezekiel 16, verses 48 through 49. And it emphasizes my, the emphasis 
mind and remember, he says the emphasis is mind. And he says, remember, these verses addresses Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 48 says, as I live, says the Lord God, Sodom, your sister and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Verse 49 says, behold, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters, the outlying, outlying cities, had arrogance, abundant food, careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. 51 says, furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, but you have greatly increased your repulsive acts more than they have. So you have made your wicked sisters, Samaria and Sodom, appear righteous and justified by comparison to all the disgusting things which you have done. Doesn't that sound like us? Be it America? <clears throat> and if you're wondering what kinds of oppressive things the people in Judah and Jerusalem might have been doing, he says, let me or she, let me offer the example of Jeremiah 34 through 8 through 18. So Jeremiah was a contemporary of Ezekiel and he was still in Jerusalem for Zedekiah's reign. During that time, all the rich people promised to free their slaves, but then didn't. The point here is this, a major part of Judah's sin was oppression of the poor. You hear that term again. <clears throat> and when Ezekiel promoted individual responsibility, he was warning people against continued oppression of the poor. However, we are to believe that every single individual in Judah deserved judgment. No, and that's the point. The individual, and it says, um, <clears throat> when the collective around you demonstrates that they don't care about justice, Individual responsibility is the only thing you have left. Ezekiel was written in a time when Judah's collective guilt was so great that a reckoning was unavoidable. There was no scope for if my people who are called by mine and remember, he says the emphasis is mine. And he says, remember these verses addresses Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 48 says, as I live, says the Lord God, Sodom, your sister and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Verse 49 says, behold, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters, the outlying, outlying cities, had arrogance, abundant food, careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. 51 says, furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, but you have greatly increased your repulsive acts more than they have. So you have made your wicked sisters, Samaria and Sodom, appear righteous and justified by comparison to all the disgusting things which you've done. Does that sound like us? Be it America? <clears throat> and if you're wondering what kinds of oppressive things people in Judah and Jerusalem might have been doing, he says, let me, or she, let me offer the example of Jeremiah 34, through 8 through 18. So Jeremiah was a contemporary of Ezekiel, and he was still in Jerusalem for Zedekiah's reign. During that time, all the rich people promised to free their slaves, but then didn't. The point here is this. A major part of Judah's sin was oppression of the poor. You hear that term again. <clears throat> And when Ezekiel promoted individual responsibility, 
it was warning people against continued oppression of the poor. However, we are to believe that every single individual in Judah deserves judgment. No, that's the point. The individual, and it says, um, <clears throat> when the collective around you demonstrates that they don't care about justice, individual responsibility is the only thing you have left. Ezekiel was written in a time when Judah's collective guilt was so great that a reckoning was unavoidable. There was no scope for if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray. The time for that was or had already come and been wasted. Even in their final days, the people of Judah were demonstrating, as seen in Jeremiah, that they cared about money over people. Again, sounds like America. But into that context, Ezekiel wrote saying that God sees what the individual does and notices. The writer says, if you ask me, this message, message doesn't explain suffering, but it's still a massive comfort because it opens up a glimmer of hope into a situation that is beyond an individual's ability to change. But all this is a world away from the situation where people apologize for the sins of their forefathers. When white Christians repent of the sins their ancestors committed against people of color, what they are doing is an inherently collective act. A gesture of repentance might be made by a small group of people in a short space of time, but they represent a much larger group of people over a much longer period of time. So it's not what white people, it's not that white people are trying to take an individual sins take on individual sins that they don't commit. Rather, they're, first of all, acknowledging that what their ancestors did wrong, also admitting that they benefit now from what was done in the past, also admitting that they carry at least some of the same racist attitudes of their ancestors, that is true. Admitting that, that still partake and, and benefit from a system that is inherently oppressive against people of color. That's definitely true. And recognizing that the pain of the past rolls into the present and is still furthered in the present for people of color. Look at the last four years. And making a statement, they don't want this injustice to continue. Now, of course, gestures are worse than empty and when when they're not followed up with transformative action or they're empty when it's when it's not followed up period put it that way but the point is ezekiel's message of individual responsibility was spoken to at a time when the collective consensus was so obstinate they wouldn't have contemplated any of the above. <clears throat> and given that Ezekiel's concerns were, was focused around justice for the poor, it feels perverse to use his words to criticize groups of people who are trying to change things for the better. So in conclusion, um, the writer says that it's very easy to, to cause harm by attributing causes to the bad things that happen in the world. 
but he says, or she, I also believe it's irresponsible to look at current events and say that they're happening without cause. Much of what's happening in the U.S. right now is a product of long-standing systemic racism and greed. And I think even my atheist friends would agree with me on that. For myself, for myself, I don't think God is causing the bad things that are happening, though. I find it eerie to consider how events have unraveled over the last few years. It seems one hypocrisy has been exposed after another and another, and I struggle to believe that God is at work in that. <clears throat> So, like I said, in concluding, talking about Ezekiel, when he spoke to the people who thought they were righteous, he was speaking to the people in position of power, warning them not to be confident, but instead to stop oppressing the poor. Today, that message, message seems pertinent for people in the U.S. who see themselves as part of a Christian nation. So see, <clears throat> that is what Mr. Walker needs to uh, read more about. And I've always said, when you read the Bible, you need to go behind the scenes of what's going on, what happened in those passages. Then you get a better understanding. And also what gives you a better understanding is well that's it for today's podcast please feel free to comment and share and if you feel led to give a donation i gratefully appreciate your support and i leave you with this word from romans chapter 12 verse 2 be transformed by the renewing of your minds enough said